the splendor of a king. Clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to trembles at his voice, it trembles at his voice, how great is our God, sing with me how great is our God, and all will sing how great, how great is our God. Bless you, New Living Way Church. Venimos ante ti, Señor, con corazones sinceros, llenos de alabanza y de adoración. 
venimos ante ti, Señor, con corazones sinceros. Good morning, 
good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to New Heavyweight Church, our first stream that we've done. So praise the Lord, our God is good. Bear with us as we're going to learn through this together. And uh, But definitely we're here to praise the Lord. Amen. So I have Pastor Pat here and Letty with me, my wife Letty. <laughs> and we'll be coming together today to uh, to bring forth the word of God this morning. So Pastor Pat, would you open us up in a word of prayer, please? Sure. Start with Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord. Father, we just glorify you, Father God. For you are awesome and amazing, God, Father Lord. And we thank you, Father Lord, for this day. For this is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it, Father. We will lift up your name, Father Lord. We will glorify and praise you because we serve such an amazing God, Father Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you for um, our congregation, we yes, thank you for the Jesus, uh, yes, people, we thank you, Father, that we've been in the country, Father, that we can praise you and worship you and glorify you, Lord. Thank you for this day, Father, and may you bless this day, may you bless your people, may you keep them and provide for them and protect them, Father. May we call on your name this morning, Father, name above all names, Father. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And this today it'll actually be the service will be uploaded to the YouTube and we will, you know, put some worship on there as well. But next week we should have the live stream set up. So if I get it set up in time, we may even be able to do Bible study through live stream, but we'll definitely take it day by day, you know, accordingly. But definitely we encourage you to stay in your word, to stay connected, to stay involved and to continue to be that light and to be that the church in this world. It's not about just being in the building, but it's you being the church in this world. And I'm just so blessed because the Lord gave us the scriptures through Bible study. He's given us scriptures through Friday night prayer. He's given us now scriptures for Sunday morning prayer. So we have no excuse for not staying in the word of God together. And we're not going to change course because just because of everything that's going on in the world. I believe that God gave us these words and set these things up so we could continue in the word of God together and stay focused on the vision that he has and that he is doing within this world today. So we can have faith, we can have courage, we can have boldness and confidence of knowing that he's in control. Amen. So I'm going to ask my wife, Letty, to come on up. She's going to share a couple of announcements and just different areas that we're in right now. So if she can come on up and do that. Good morning. I'm going to make the announcements for the rest of the month. Wednesday, March 25th, we'll be having Bible study. We're going to be going through the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 17 through 26. And the title for that message is, May Come From. Friday, March 27th, we're going to be in prayer, the study of God. Study of God, word, and prayer. We're going to be in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, chapter 9. And we're going to be praying through the entire chapter. Sunday, March 29th, we're going to be in prayer in the book of Ezra, chapter 2, verse 68 through 70. Also, for our tithing offerings, you can mail them to the church at 8036 Telegraph Road, down in California, 90240, or drop them off in our mailbox. And that we're going to be working on a, on a website or something for e-giving, and that would still give us an opportunity to give, to give online and to still stay connected with supporting the church. Thank you. Thank you. So let us be encouraged to continue in the work of the Lord that God has given us. Amen. And I'm just grateful to the Lord that, you know what, that he's in control of everything and, you know, and we can be encouraged together. Amen. So <clears throat> this morning we're going to be in the book of Philippians chapter four, 
And we're actually going to be going through verse 4 through 9 today. I know I send out a text of the, the two verses, but we're actually going to go through Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. And I'll pray as we get to this place. Father, we just thank you this day, Lord. We give you the praise, glory, and honor. We thank you, Father God, for you are good, you are holy, you are righteous, Father God. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, my God, for your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, my God, even to penetrate into dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, judging the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, for nothing in all creation is hidden from your sight, but everything is open and laid bare before him to whom we must give account to. So, Father, we thank you that your word is alive, Lord. We thank you that your word says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word shall never pass away, Lord. And, Father God, we thank you, Lord, that your word, Father, is alive. And, Father God, Lord, that today as we read your word, Lord, there is life in your word, Father. So, Father, we just thank you today, Lord, as you minister and speak to our hearts, Father God. Lord, we yield ourselves to you, Holy Spirit, and we ask you, Lord, to teach us, to instruct us, to comfort us. And Lord God, but not only for ourselves, Lord, but for the sake of others, my God, that we may live according to your word, my God. Father, recognizing, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, there is no vision lost because the vision is you, Lord Jesus. It's all about you, Lord. And Lord, may we continue to look to you, Lord Jesus, in every area of our lives, Father. So we just thank you this day. We give you the glory, we give you the praise, and we give you the honor, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So this, this morning, the title of this message is, <clears throat> Do Not Be Anxious. Do not be anxious. And we'll touch a little bit more on that. So we'll start in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. So I want us to look at a couple of things here as the title of this message is Do Not Be Anxious. Okay. And my question this is, I was studying this and looking at this. I tell you, this word came to me at the beginning of the week when everything kept going on. And how many of us know that in these times, it seems that every day keeps changing. It's like we're just taking it day by day, literally. Like we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, something could happen overnight, you know. I told Letty the other night we were here and we were recording the Bible study. And I could hear the sirens outside. And I'm like, Lord, what's going on? I'm speaking the message and teaching. But it was like, Lord, what's going on out there? Is there like chaos or what's going on? <clears throat> but no, it was just normal Pico Rivera polydrama, but, you know, <laughs> or, or, or Downey. But thank God for our law enforcement. Thank God he was in control. But it's it's every day is just seems to be just questionable. Lord, what's going on? But one of the things we can be assured of today is we know that our God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he changes not. So no matter what may change in our world, no matter what may change in the circumstance, we can know that our God never changes. We can have peace with that today. 
we could have peace with that today. So, but one of the things is with change and one of the things with uncertainty is always comes worriness and anxiety. And right here in this scripture, he's telling us, do not be anxious or do not worry. So my question is, why is it that we tend to lean towards the don't or the do not? You know what I mean? It's like, they tell us don't do this or do not do this, and right away we do that. It's like, if I were to tell you, hey, don't look behind you, <laughs> and you look, or hey, don't look back right now, but so-and-so, and all of a sudden you look, or don't touch this. They bring you the plate. I think they brought you, they brought, let the uh, plate at the Cheesecake Factory, and the first thing they tell you, don't touch the plate, it's hot, and she touches, hot. <laughs> told you don't do it, you know, and she tells the server, well, I just wanted to, I, I just didn't trust you. I wanted to see for myself it was hot, and it was hot, and it's just an automatic thing. Even as children, we do that. I mean, children do that today. You tell them don't do it, and they do, and this just automatically comes with our human nature, and the example I could think of, well, we all like donuts, don't we, <laughs> you know, but how many of us know that the do not or the don'ts and the donuts, they're not very good for us. <laughs> so just like donuts, the do not and the don'ts are also not good for us. So we have to understand that there's a reason and a purpose for this. And it's right here he's telling us we're told not to, and that's the first thing we do. But how did this all begin? How did this all start? Where did this come from? So we're going to look at something here. In Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17. Let's, let's look at where this all started, where this came from. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, <laughs> but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there's this word, you shall not eat. And not only does he tell him you shall not eat, but God gives him a reason. He says, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. I got to tell you, if somebody tells me something, don't eat this. And they tell me if, if I do eat it, I'm going to die. I'm not going to eat it. But my question is, and this is just a thought, could it be that Adam didn't know what death was? Could it be that Adam didn't necessarily understand what death meant? I didn't think about that until actually right now. Maybe he didn't take it as serious. And many times when we do the things that we do when we're told not to, it's because we really don't fully understand what that really means. You know, and that's a thought for us is maybe Adam just didn't fully understand what dying really meant. But it wasn't so much the physical death, but it was the spiritual death. It was the separation from God that would come from this not listening to that knot that God had. So let's see what happened here in, ver in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, 
Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit, fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So now she's adding a little bit here. But the serpent said to the woman, look what he says. You will not surely die. He uses that same word, but now he twists it around there. And he says, you shall not surely die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the, of the tree, and I ate. Wow. He reminds him of the knot that he had told him. But he didn't remind him to hurt him. He reminded him to remind him that he loves him. He told him this because he loves him. We tell our children... We tell those that we love not to because we love them. We don't want to see our kids or our family members on drugs or alcoholics or, you know, caught up in different things that can mess them up lifelong and not only their lives, but the lives of others. But many times it just comes because we lean towards the, when someone tells us do not, we automatically do or we want to. Because many times we just don't fully understand it. God's not wants to protect us. But the other not wants to separate us. Anytime we go against God's not, we separate ourselves from him. See, Adam listened to a different voice. See, the other voice used the word not but he used it against God's not. And whenever we start to look at the other not, we start to lose focus on him. And that's what separates me and you. Because no longer are we seeking him, but we're more concentrated on ourselves. Because what did they first do? They looked to themselves. I'm naked. The first thing they wanted to do was to cover themselves. Pride selfishness, everything. But thanks be to God, he had mercy, amen? He covered them. Those fig leaves weren't going to do it. <laughs> he covered them. But it took a sacrifice for that covering. That's found at the end of the chapter, towards the end of the chapter.
So let's go back now to Philippians chapter 4. And look, let's look at what God is speaking to us here. And we're going to go back to verse 4 of chapter 4 of Philippians. And he says here, <clears throat> this is Paul. Remember, Paul's writing this letter from prison, okay? So this is not an easy letter to be writing, but Paul is writing. And what I love about it, he says, I may be chained, but the word of God is not chained. How many of us know that today the word of God is not chained? And when the word of God goes out, there is life. And though there may only be a couple of us in here today, but the word of God is alive and the word of God is going out there. And even if I choose and in my car and in my home and I start to speak the word of God, there is still life in the word of God. Because God is life. And we can rejoice. So he says here, rejoice in the Lord always. And that word, I took this from the Amplified, to delight, to take pleasure in him. To remind ourselves that he is a God that never changes. He is a God who is faithful. He is a God who is in control. He is a God who gives life. And we can rejoice. We can take pleasure. We can have delight in knowing who our God is. So no matter what is going on today, we can continue to rejoice in knowing who our God is and how mighty, how powerful, how awesome, how amazing, but how merciful he is, how loving he is, how great he is. And that's why he says here, rejoice in the Lord always. But not, not only that, but he says, again, I will say rejoice. He reminds us to rejoice. But you know what I'm thinking? Maybe instead of us telling people and reading the word that says rejoice, maybe we should tell people don't rejoice. <laughs> maybe we should say, you know what? Do not rejoice. And maybe that'll point us more towards to rejoicing. You know what? I'm going to rejoice. It's a thought. <laughs> but we're going to go with what the Bible says. But we should rejoice. And not only that, in verse 5, he says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And this is the English Standard Version, so it says reasonableness. But in the other translations, it refers to it as gentleness. Let your gentleness, your graciousness. Oh, look at this one right here unselfishness, your mercy, your tolerance, and patience be known to everyone. It starts to rejoicing in the Lord and declaring who he is. And in that we're reminded he gives us his peace, we have his comfort. And in that no matter what situation we're in, as we talked about a week ago, circumstance does not take away our responsibility. We start to recognize how merciful, how gracious, how awesome God has been to me and you. And in that, we take our eyes off of ourselves and put it on him. So we can be that light in this world. So we can be that example. So we could be those ones that are not following the ways of everybody else, but we're trusting in the Lord together. But it starts with rejoicing. And not only that, he says here, the Lord is at hand. See, we're using this issue not to tell him, you know, it's to let him know Jesus is coming back. This is just, it's, it's not, he's not coming back because of the coronavirus. 
Jesus just said he was coming back from the time that he ascended. The angels told him the same way you saw him go is the same way you're going to see him return. We are a church that we're not going to get ready because of the virus and what's going on in our world today. We are a church that has been called to constantly be ready. But let's look, let us look at Luke chapter 21, what he tells us to do in these times. We'll hold our place in Philippians, but let's look at Luke chapter 21, verse 25 through 28. He says, and there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and were foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Oh, this time the Lord is not coming as a baby in a manger. He is coming in all his power and all his glory, glory and all his righteousness. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. So when the Bible says we start to see these things, and these things have been happening for years. But he says to me and you to look up for our redemption draws nigh. Our redemption draws near. And that word is redemption is our deliverance. Our salvation, the freedom by payment of ransom of all that we have in Christ and we're seeing come to pass. Recognizing that, Lord God, though these things are coming upon the world and they're already here, but I can have joy because I can look up because I know that you're coming back for a church without spot, without blemish. And your word says, will I still find faith on the earth? Because we're called to keep our eyes on him. And we don't have to fear when he's coming. Because when he comes back and our faith is in Christ Jesus, we know he's going to catch us up with him. We're going to go home with him. We can shout. We can rejoice. We can praise God saying, Lord, I know who my faith is in today. I know who my hope is in today. And it has nothing to do with me. It all has to do with you, Lord God. And though it may be fearful, and it may cause trembling, but we can rejoice knowing, Lord God, but this fear is an awe and reverence of how great and awesome and mighty you are. We don't have to fear these times. Because we know that our Lord's coming. He's coming back soon. But the Bible says that these are just the beginning of birth pangs. No one knows that day or hour, but we are to declare that he's coming back. And this is our responsibility as believers. But then look at that we get to our key verse here. There's that word. Do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything. I'll take a glaze, please. I'll take one with sprinkles, please. I'll take one filled with lemon filling, please. <laughs> 
He says, do not be anxious. When God says not, it's a good not. But the first thing me and you do is we do the opposite. To be anxious is, and the thesaurus simply states, an uneasy state of mind, usually over the possibility of anticipated misfortune or trouble. It's the emotion experienced in the presence of threat or of danger to worry. Things that have not happened yet, but could and may or may not happen. These are real things. Anxiousness, anxiety, worriness. This is real. We all face it. I'm not saying that I have not faced it. I'm not saying that we haven't faced it. Every time we hear a report or something, it's like all of a sudden that anxiety kicks in, that worriness. It's a common thing. He's telling us not to, but automatically it just, we can't help it. It just, it just comes upon me and you. But why he's telling us to not is because he's encouraging us not to stay there. See, what happens is, is because of the uncertainty, and though we know the uncertainty is going to happen or may not happen, but because it's so uncertain, we start to stress about it. We start to worry about it. It starts to weigh me and you down to the point where it can cripple me and you. And these are from real places because we're, we're, we're looking at things. We're looking at our family, our home, our job, our provisions, our finances, sickness. So many different things that start to come. I mean, it's, it's rightfully so. These things are real situations and circumstances within our lives that definitely will cause worry. Why was there so much panic? Because people were worried about themselves, about their family, about what's going to happen. And today, many people are still worried because they're either out of work or whatever is going on. It's a real place. And we need to pray for one another. We need to continue to pray for and encourage one another. By being anxious and worried doesn't mean that you've fallen or failed God. It just means you're a human being. It means I'm a human being. But this is done to teach me and you. That me and you do not stay here. That we don't stay in this place of anxiety. He's saying... Do not be anxious about anything. But how do we not stay anxious? How do we not stay in this place? How do we not worry? Well, Lord, how, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do here? What's going to happen? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. It's actually in the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. If you're worried about the provisions in your home, you're worried about the finances, you're worried about what you're going to eat, you're worried about all these things, your family, well, this is the key right here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, here's his word, do not be anxious about your life. In some translations it'll say, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and, let, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Our heavenly Father knows what we need even before we ask Him. He knows the needs of this world. Jesus had to eat. Jesus had to drink. Jesus needed finances and provision in this world. He knows what it's like. So how much more is He going to provide it? But this is what He says in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I put here, seek first the kingdom of God, not the news, not the market, but his presence and his righteousness and he will guide us. And he will guide us. Right now, the first thing we want to do is go to the news. We want to go to the markets to see which ones are open or this and that. And I get that. That's reality. But don't let that be our only concern. We should be seeking God. Lord, what is, what is it you have for me today, Lord? Where do I need to go today, Lord? How do you want me to handle this today? It's seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he says, and all these things will be added to you because you'll realize you already have them in him. He multiplied the, five, the, the loaves for the 5,000 and, and many more. The disciples walked away with 12 basketfuls. The next time they walk away with seven basketfuls. And he even told them it's not about that. It's about the leaven of the teaching of the Pharisees. Because he was more concerned about them keeping their eyes and focusing on his word than anything else. He says in verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Why are you worried about tomorrow? When you're not even in control of your tomorrow, you're not even in control of your today. Our time, as we've learned, is not in our hands. It belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter five, verse six through ten.
He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the, at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know what I love about that portion of scripture? He doesn't say, oh, your anxieties are not real. So pretend like they're not. Just speak life and speak faith. And they'll go away. <laughs> he never points it out in that way. The Bible never points anxiety in that way. But what he does say is to cast your anxieties, your cares upon him, recognizing he is able. How do we resist the devil trusting and believing that God is able? Knowing that, Lord, all these cares, these anxieties, these stresses, Lord, I'm going to give them to you, Lord God. And resisting those thoughts that come from the devil that are looking to destroy me and you, that are looking to cripple me and you, that are looking to overwhelm us with fear, that are looking to overwhelm us with desperation to where we'll even claw our way over our neighbor or family member and only look to ourselves instead of looking to others. But we can only do that in Christ. When we can come to him and say, Lord, this is real. This is be completely honest with God. This is what's got me, Lord. What about this? What up, Lord? I'm here to give it to you, Lord. But recognizing that he is powerful enough. He has all the authority and the right to take care of me and you, to take care of these pe the people in the world, to take care of all those that put their faith and trust in him. And knowing that me and you are not alone. Emmanuel, God with us. And he called you, so he will also take care of you. That's why he says, will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You may come to him on your knees, but when you walk away, he'll stand you up to your feet by his spirit because you'll be reminded all that he is and all that he is in me and you. And we can continue to walk, trusting him. Proverbs 12, 25 says this, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good work, word makes him glad. Do you believe God's word is good? Do we believe that this is a word, God, a good word today? It's a good word because God is good. And it's his word and his word, yes, is good. So this should give me and you joy today, recognizing how good our God is. So, if God's word is good, and it makes us glad, then what should we do? Rejoice! 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it again. Rejoice. Let us take pleasure and delight in who our God is. Because he is so good. And in everything is every circumstance and every situation. So do not be anxious in anything. In every situation, in every circumstance, let us not be anxious knowing who our God is. About anything, it says. And anything is, like I said, circumstance or situation. How many of us know that we got a circumstance and situation today? And not only that circumstance and situation, but there's other circumstances and situations on top of all that that was already going on. But he tells us, do not be anxious about anything. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you as well. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for me and you. He cares for me and you. He cares for you. Wow. And he says, but in everything. Everything means everything. All things. By prayer. We should be a people today and always that are still praying. Not starting to pray, but been praying. But if you haven't started, start praying. Talking to God wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, in every circumstance, in every situation, recognizing who your God is and growing in that relationship with him more and more. Having that conversation and praying and coming to him. And supplication, supplication is that crying out, crying out for God's mercy, crying out for God's mercy upon this world, crying out for God's mercy upon his people, upon the people of the land and everything that is going on, every circumstance and situation, crying out to God. This is an outcry to God. It is with a heart. Lord, we need you, Lord God. Lord, we're crying out to you, Lord God. Lord God, Lord, this is hard, my God. But Lord, we're believing, Lord God, no matter how it feels, no matter what it looks like, but we're pressing through and trusting the Lord. We have some circumstances and situations today, but we're trusting the Lord knowing He is the resurrection and the life. He is our Prince of Peace. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is everything. So we can come to him with everything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, here's the key, with thanksgiving. Oh, being able to say thank you, Lord, that you hear me, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you not only hear me, but you answer me according to your will and purpose, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your salvation. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your peace. Thank you that you are my healer. Thank you that you are the deliverer. Thank you, Lord God, that all things are possible for you today. Thank you, Lord, that your word is good, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you are good. Thank you, Lord, that your word says never will you leave me. Never will you forsake me, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. 
that we are able to be made righteous in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that I can have a relationship with the Father today through you and my faith in you and repentance and fear and trembling, Lord God, recognizing and knowing that you have filled me with your Holy Spirit, my God. Thank you. You know, the other day I was looking outside and it's been raining, you know, since all this took place. I mean, it's been going on, but like when you really hit here where we're at, and I'm not focusing this on us just as a people here in this country or this city, but you know, it's you know, it's very gloomy, it's raining, and a lot of people are like, "Wow, perfect weather for what's going on," you know. And you can see you're like, "Wow, Lord, is this a uh, you know, split that sky open, or what's going to happen here?" Lord, you know, like it's it's real. But then the other day I was thinking about, it, so you know, Lord. I mean, I could look at it that way. That's not a wrong way to look at it, but I said, you know, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that, you know, all this is going on and the country's preparing all that. I go, but thank you, Lord, for filling our reservoirs with water. Thank you, Lord, that if we go, if this all goes into the summer, which they say it will, then praise the Lord that we're not going to be in a drought. Thank you, Father, for giving water to all the vegetation so, the, so that the fruits and the vegetables and all that is needed in the land can grow. Because I'll tell you, I'll water this grass. We've watered this grass in this church. We could water it every day, 24-7. And it could rain for one day and not even all day. Give us some scattered showers. We walk in and the grass is green. The hills are green. There's just something about that rain that God brings that there is life. And I started to see it in a different way. I said, thank you, Lord, for the rain. And not only that, I said, you know, thank you, Lord. You changed the hour. So it's going to get darker later. We're going to have more light. We're going to be able to enjoy outside and be able to enjoy our home and, enjoy, and be able to enjoy all these things. Because you've given us the light that is needed. What a perfect season, Lord. Recognizing, Lord, you're in control. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your provision, Lord. Thank you for our leaders, Lord. Give them wisdom, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for my neighbors. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for what I do have, Lord. But thank you for all that I have in you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. And the word of God says, never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor God seed begging for bread. Thank you, Lord, for restoring to us a heart of worship. Thank you, Lord, for showing us, Lord, that there's so much more to being a disciple of Christ. And thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted us with the responsibility and the call and the purpose and the plan that you have for us, Lord. Let us stay focused on you in this. With Thanksgiving, we don't got to wait till November for Thanksgiving. <laughs> this should be every day in our lives, Thanksgiving, amen? With thanksgiving, and then what does he say? Let your requests be made known to God. Specific requests. How many of us know that we can be specific with God? We can be very specific with God. We've been praying for our brother David, and we're specifically praying for healing and restoration in his veins, in his pancreas, in his body, and in his mind. And for Andrea as well. 
We've been praying together for many of our brothers and sisters that are laid off today from jobs, that were sent home because they're closing down. We're praying and believing, Lord God, you're providing the finances. There's many things going on today, but we can be specific with God. Just like the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify, purify us of all unrighteousness. I tell everybody, be honest with God. Don't try to lie to God. Confess them sins. Be real with God. Tell him what those sins are. You don't got to say them out loud. He knows your heart. But be completely honest so me and you could be free. It's the same thing with prayer. We can pray to God and be real with him on our anxieties, the things that we're worried about, the things that are stressing us, the things that concern me and you. We can be specific with him. But this all starts rejoicing, recognizing our responsibility, knowing that our Lord is returning soon, and listening to the command of do not be anxious about anything. But being in prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving and bringing those specific requests to God. Let me tell you something. Doing all that is not an easy thing. I'm not saying that all of a sudden you're going to be like, yes, Lord, and you're going to have you know, the power of God. And don't get me wrong, the greater one is in me and you. But this is going to take some faith and trusting and pressing and believing through all the emotions. But see, this next part is what happens when we choose to continue to do so. Verse 7 says, after all this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which surpasses or transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil for this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. The Bible says to trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. He told the children of Israel, pray for the peace of the land that you may have peace. And he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. And seek me while I may be found, but seek me with all your heart. Blessed is the man whose trust is the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. In that, we can have the peace of God. And that word peace is security, safety. But see, many times we're looking at peace and safety of the way of the world sees it. But what does peace mean to a Christian today? Let's look at this. It's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God, 
and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. I'll read that again. The peace of God as a believer today, as a follower of Christ, it's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. It's recognizing that no matter what's going on today, because of our faith in Jesus Christ today, we have the peace of God recognizing, Lord, no matter what happens, Lord, I know who my life belongs to. I have peace today because I know who my faith is in, Lord. It's about salvation. It's about that relationship with Christ. We don't have to fear God today because whatever is happening in this land, we have to trust God and know that we have salvation in Him. Me and Letty were talking earlier about the song, It Is Well With My Soul. This man wrote this song on his way back home. He had already lost a child, a son, to a fever. And his four daughters and his wife were in a boat, in a, in a crash in a boat, and his four daughters died. And he wrote this song on the way back saying, It is well with my soul. Not saying it didn't hurt him, but he knew where they were at, and he had to know that, Lord, I'm going to see them again. This is part of the breastplate of righteousness that the Bible tells me and you to put on the armor of God, that breastplate of righteousness that protects our heart, that helmet of salvation that protects our mind, remembering Lord Jesus. <laughs> I'm only here and I'm only saved because of you, Lord. Because of what you did for me, that price you paid on that cross for me. You rose again on the third day, Lord God. That's my peace today is recognizing all that you have done for me. Because Jesus is our Prince of Peace. As we learned, he's the peace in the midst of our chaos. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. There's that word again. And be thankful. But look at this part, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Not just to hear it. Not just to learn it. But let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Recognizing the word, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, all one teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And all that we do, we recognize it. We're doing it unto the Lord, not for recognition of ourselves or not to give glory to ourselves, but to give glory to God. 
because we love God and this is what we know and this is what we learn and this is what Christ is doing for me and you and that we could be those examples not looking for recognition not saying hey look at me but saying look at God God to God be the glory because we have peace with God we can have peace knowing that no matter what happens it doesn't separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This is where our hearts can be comforted in knowing that we have peace with God today through Jesus Christ. And he says here in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I'll read that verse again, verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. It's not to say that God is not with you, but when our mind is focused on everything else and all the other circumstances, we tend to forget that God is with us. But when we start to focus our mind on who he is, we can be reminded that God is with us. Another version says it's to focus your thoughts on him, to fill your mind with the Amplified says to send your, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. When we do this, we're reminded of who we belong to, who he is in us, and who is in control of everything. Therefore, we realize we do not need to be anxious about anything. No matter what may come, no matter what may happen, Jesus is our peace in the storm. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And if you don't know him, today, God can be Emmanuel, God with you. This is what this is all about today. Is being rest assured that you know that God is with you. But not just with you, but in you. Recognizing that we have the peace of God today because of our faith in Christ Jesus. And no matter what may happen or no matter what may come or no matter what changes may still come in this week and today and tomorrow. But we could have the peace of God recognizing God, you're with us. And you're in control of all of this. You are in control of all of this. So again, do not be anxious for anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And if you are, then remember today is a good word because it's the word of God. It is the word of God. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you this day, O Heavenly Father. 
For you are worthy of all praise, glory, and honor, Father God. And Father God, we just thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done and will continue to do, Lord Jesus. Father, today, Lord, we are able to say it as well, Lord, with our soul. Lord, help us to say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Lord. Because, Lord, you are faithful, my God. But, Father God, we need your help in these times, Lord God, as many today and all of us, Lord, have our moments that we are anxious, Lord. Even though your word says, do not be anxious, Father God. But, Father God, we can know and trust you, Lord God. Recognizing, Lord God, that, Father, you are above all, Lord, and that in you, Lord Jesus, we have peace, Lord. So, Father God, this day, Lord, we thank you for that peace. Because, Lord Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And, Lord, when we don't have anything else to say, Lord God, and when that heaviness and anxiety and stress weigh heavily upon us, Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us the name above all names. And that name is Jesus. For there is no other name given under heaven to which men shall be saved but the name of Jesus. Your word says that all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Lord, if all that we can say is Jesus, then Lord, let us call upon your name. Not just because to hear your name, but Lord, to know you to know the one to whom that name belongs to, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you this day, Lord. That, Father God, if there's anybody today that does not know you, Lord, that they could come to know you today, Lord. If there's anybody today that has been running from you, Lord, that they can turn back and call on you, Lord. Father God, if there's anybody today hurting, Lord, they can call on you, Lord. Anybody sick, they can call on you, Lord. Anybody discouraged or confused, Lord God, they can call on you, Lord God. That we can call upon your name, Lord Jesus. And Lord, you hear us, Lord God. Father, this morning, Lord, we lift up all our brothers and sisters today, Lord God. Father God, we ask you today, Lord, that, Father, you would remind us, Lord, of the peace that we have in you, Lord. Recognizing that you are our peace, Lord. And, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, today that, Lord, we would be those, my God, that do not hoard, my God. But, Lord, that we would trust you, Lord God. That you are our provision, Lord God. And that we would continue to give, that we would continue, Father God to trust you, Lord, in these times and every day of our life, Father God. Father God, that we would know that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings, Lord God. Father, we just thank you this day, Lord, that you are our peace, my God. Father God, we lift up our brother David to you, Lord. Father God, we speak life into his body today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. 
And we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would bring those organs and father those veins back to life because you are the resurrection and the life. And in the name of Jesus, we declare and ask you this day, Lord, for healing and restoration and full recovery, Lord, in his body, my God. You formed him, you knitted him, and you know every part of him, Lord. We thank you for the peace upon Andrea, Lord. Father God, we lift up our brothers and sisters today, Lord, that are sick in body, Lord, that are worried, that are concerned, Lord God. Father God, but Lord, let them know and remind them today you are their healer, and in the name of Jesus, Lord, we speak healing over their body, for you are the God that healeth thee. Father God, today, Lord, that many today that are lacking, Lord, but Father, you are the provision, Lord God. And Father God, thank you, Lord, that you can provide all the finances needed, the resources needed, because Lord Jesus, you are the source of everything, my God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this day, Lord. As Father, we choose to cast our cares upon you, for it is you that cares for us, Lord God. It is you, my God, that Lord Jesus is above the storm, my God. And it is you, Lord Jesus, that Father is in control of all things, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today, for it is good. And we thank you for this time, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And our prayer today is if you do not know the Lord and you would like to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today. It's not a magical prayer. His name's not a magical name. No, it is the name of a person, the second person in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you'd like to know him or come back to him today, all we would say is to believe in your heart that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins and to ask him for forgiveness of your sins and to believe that he rose again on the third day and now he's ascended on high, seated at the right hand of the Father. If you believe this today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. It's a prayer of faith and if you believe it, and your life will never be the same. And all you have to say is, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent of my ways, my thoughts, and my own understanding. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart this day. Restore me this day, Lord, because I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died on that cross for my sins and you rose again on the third day. And I ask you to write my name in your Lamb's book of life that I may be with you forever. And I ask you today to fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live serving you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this uh, time of prayer this morning. And we are in Ezra chapter 2, verse 59 through 67. And we will continue to go to the book of Ezra and eventually get to the book of Nehemiah. As this was set up as part of our morning prayer and uh, praying through the book of Ezra. It all has to do with the people being called back to the rebuilding of the temple. And has a lot to do with uh, all the different phases it went through and all the times. But it was all about God's promise to restore his people to the land and to restore his presence within that land. And we know that all comes down to Jesus' presence today. So we're just blessed as we're going to continue on course. We're going to stay on course to what God has called us to do. And that is to continue in the word that he has given us to follow. And this is really good because many times we can kind of lose focus. Well, what should I do? Where should I go? Start to focus on the circumstance. But reality is God gave us a word, gave us a vision, and we need to stay in that vision because God already knew the circumstance would come up. So I will be declaring this and speaking this quite a bit uh, through all the messages that continue to go forward to help me and you to stay focused on what God has called us to do. Amen. Amen. So, Father, this morning, Lord, we just thank you, Father God, for this beautiful day, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for you are good, you are holy, you are righteous, O God, and you are above all, Lord. You are Lord of lords, and you are King of kings, Lord. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, Lord Jesus. And Heavenly Father God, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this beautiful morning and this beautiful day, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that no matter what changes, no matter what goes on in our lives and what is going on today in our world, my God, Father, you are well aware of it, Lord Jesus. And Father God, you are above it all, my God. But Lord, thank you, Father God, that through it all, my God, you are the peace, you are the comfort, Lord. You are salvation, Lord God. You are the healer, Lord. You are the deliverer, my God. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that Father God, we could have peace in you today, Lord Jesus, recognizing and knowing who our God is, Lord. And Father God, for many today, they may not know you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. There, there is an opportunity, Lord. There is time, Lord Jesus to repent and to turn to you, Lord God, that they may have a relationship with you, Lord God, as, Father God, we have today, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you this day. We thank you, Father God, for your Holy Spirit, my God, who lives and dwells inside of us, my God, that reminds us, Lord God, that we are a church, my God. We are the church, Lord, and that, Father God, Lord, you are our salvation, Lord Jesus, and that we have the forgiveness of sins in you, Lord, and because of you, Lord, we are able to have this relationship with you, Father, today. And Father God, we just thank you this morning, Lord, as we continue to stay the course, Lord, as we continue to stay in the word that you have prepared and you had set up already for us this year, my God. Father God, through the different teachings in the different areas and different ways, my God. Father God, but Lord, it's all your word, my God, is to keep us grounded, to keep us founded, to keep us focused on you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that you've given us these words, my God, that Father, we together can come together as a body of Christ and continue to stay in your word, to continue you to be taught by your Holy Spirit, my God. So, Father, this morning, we just thank you, Lord. As Father God, we are seeking you, Lord. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus that by your Spirit, Lord, you would lead us and guide us through prayer this morning, Father God. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that, Lord, we would be led by your Spirit, Lord, because, Lord, it is the mind of Christ, Lord, your mind, Father God. Not our will be to be done, but your will to be done, Father God. And, Father, Lord, we know there's much going on today, Lord. 
We know, Father God, the things that we should pray for, Lord, and we are going to continue to pray for those things, Lord, for those people, my God. But, Lord, we're just looking to your will, my God. How do you want us to pray? What do you want us to pray for, Father? And, Father, today as we read your word, Lord, teach us through your word, my God. And the heart, let us have your heart, my God, to pray according to your word. Father, we ask you for your forgiveness of all of our sins, Father. Forgive us of all unrighteousness and uncleanliness, Father. Forgive us of our ways and our thoughts, Lord. Forgive us, Lord God, of our own understanding, Lord. Forgive us of unbelief. Forgive us, Lord God, of our own self-righteousness, Father God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, that we could come to you, Lord, for forgiveness and repentance, for we repent this morning, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, in all the ways that we have sinned against you, Father. Forgive us, Lord, in all the ways that we have sinned against our brother and sister, Lord. Sinned against our neighbor, Lord. Sinned against our spouse, our family, Lord God, our co-workers, Lord, our bosses, Lord. Jesus, those around us, my God, forgive us, Lord. And with that same forgiveness we ourselves, my Lord, are able to receive, help us also to forgive, Lord. Let us not hold on to any unforgiveness, my God. Father God, let us lay every hindrance, Father, aside that so easily entangles us, Father God. And that could be the sin of unforgiveness, Lord God. Because, Lord Jesus, that causes bitterness, Father. It causes, Father God, all these things, Lord Jesus, that we don't need within our lives and our hearts, Father God. And, Father, because your word tells us, Lord, to forgive as we ourselves have been forgiven, Lord. But, Father, today we do this by faith, Lord. Our faith in you, just in that same faith in receiving the forgiveness, Lord. We forgive in that same faith this morning, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you this morning. Father, we ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, to guide us, to lead us, and direct us. We thank you, and we ask you for your mercies this morning, Lord, that, Lord God, we may walk in your grace, my God. Oh, that we may walk in your grace, Lord, the same grace that has saved us, but also the same grace that equips us to live according to your word, according to your spirit, Lord God, according to what you predestined and called us, called us to do, Lord. Father, Lord, we know that there is a purpose, and that is your purpose, your plan. For your word says you knitted us in our mother's womb. Your word says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your word says that you knew us before the foundation of the world, and you chose us, my God. And you place us in the body as you see fit, my God. Not just in a house building, Lord, but in the body of Christ, your church, my God. So, Father God, we thank you this morning that though we're not able to meet together, my God, in this place, my God, but thank you, Lord Jesus. That, Father, doesn't change the fact that we're still placed in the body as you see fit, Lord. And, Father, we still have our place. We still have the purpose. We still have, Father God, what you've called us to do, Lord. And we have the greater one living in us today, Lord God. So, Father, let us not lose heart. Let us not lose focus, Lord God, to what you have called us to do, my God. Because, Lord, we are still the family of God. We are still your children. We are still your servants, my God. Let us do according to what we were, we were already doing, Lord God, and that is serving you, Lord. That is seeking you. That is worshiping you. That is praising you, my God. Oh, we praise you this morning and we thank you this morning, Lord God. And we just glorify your holy name, my God. Oh, we thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your strength, Lord God. Oh, we thank you for your life, for you are the resurrection and the life, oh Lord. And there is life in you, Lord Jesus. 
and that life we have more abundantly, my Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. We give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we'll be in the book of Ezra, chapter 2, verse 59 through 67. And my wife, is here with me today, so she'll be helping me do some reading and praying as well. We encourage you to also pray through this time and use this as a platform to allow the Lord to lead you by His Spirit. Amen? Amen. So as before as I read this, this title came up to me, and it's just a, something as I was looking at this that came to mind. And I wrote here, we no longer have to feel excluded because we are now included in Christ. We no longer have to feel excluded or be excluded. For if we are in Christ, we are now included in Christ. Our Lord is calling his people back. And there is no exclusions in Christ Jesus. There are no exclusions in Christ Jesus. So verse 59 of Ezra chapter 2 says, The following were those who came up from Tel-Melah, Tel-Harshah, Cherub, Adan, and Immer, though they could not prove their father's houses or their descent, whether they belonged to Israel. The sons of Deliah, the sons of Tobiah, and the sons of Nakoda, 652, also of the sons of the priests, the sons of Habiah, the sons of Hekaz, the sons of Bar... Barzillai, who had taken a wife from the daughters of Barzillai the Gileadite, and was called by their name. These sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but they were not found there. And so they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The governor told them that they were not to partake of the most holy food until there should be a priest to consult the Urim and Tummim. The whole assembly together was 42,360, besides their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337, and they had 200 male and female singers. Their horses were 736, their mules were 245, their camels were 435, and their donkeys were 6,720. Wow. So all these teachings are found in all the podcasts on the Sunday mornings. Uh, They're usually at the end of the message. And we've been going through the book of Ezra, so there's a lot of the different things we've already gone through. So now we're in this portion of scripture here today. And I want us to look at verse 59 here. It says, The following were those who came up from Tel-Melah, Tel-Harsha, Cherub, Adan, and Emer. Though they could not prove their father's houses or their descent, whether they belong to Israel. Now I want us to look at that portion right there that says, even though they could not prove their descent, they still wanted to return. Imagine that. Even though they, they couldn't prove it, they still wanted to return. And there's a footnote here that says, <clears throat> genealogies were very important. If they could not prove they descended from Abraham, Abraham, they were not considered Jews and were excluded from from the uh, full participation life in Jewish in the Jewish community. Sorry if I kind of messed that up a little bit. So basically, if they cannot prove that they were descended from Abraham, they were not to be included with everything else that went on in this community. And some privileges restricted 
were restricted to members of, of uh, certain tribes, only the descendants of Levi, what's it called, um, only the descendants of Levi, Abraham's great-grandson, can serve in the temple. So in the Old Testament, we look at all the, the, the rules and we look at all the things that God had set into place. And there's a reason why. God you know, always gave his reasons why he set up these, these areas and why he wanted only the tribe of Levi and everything. It was all a shadow of what was to come. And not only that, not every tribe was allowed to serve in the temple. There's only the tribe of Levi. So there was exclusions. <clears throat> I mean, back then, I mean, if you were unclean, I mean, they made you walk around saying unclean, unclean. So it was an amazing thing that I mean, you know, that there was many people that just felt like, man, I, I just don't belong, you know. So imagine this. There's all joy. And for those that were being called back to go and rebuild the temple. But unfortunately, these guys could not prove their genealogy. They did not. They, they're somewhere it was lost and they didn't know if they were really descended from Abraham. So this was an issue for them. <clears throat> this was definitely an issue because. You know, they, were, they weren't sure. So because of that, they were going to be excluded. They were going to be excluded from the things that they desired to do. And if we've ever felt in a place feeling excluded, it doesn't feel good. Especially when you want to be a part of something. Especially when you want to serve. Especially when you want to do. But <clears throat> there's just some times that maybe it's just not that time. Sometimes you're just in a place where they just don't allow you. Or sometimes it's just, that's our own mind. Maybe we're not really excluded, but we just feel that way because we've always felt that way growing up. So this is just something that we have to deal with. Like I said, God had his reasons and his purpose. And you can go back and you could study and you could see that God just didn't do this because he wanted people to feel bad. No, there was a reason and a purpose for everything. And remember, these genealogies wouldn't have been lost if the children of Israel wouldn't have been so rebellious. And God wouldn't have had to send them into captivity so they can be restored. So don't blame God for this. This is just how, this is God's mercy and grace. But unfortunately, this is what happened. They could not prove the genealogy. So with that, in verse 62, it says, These sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies. So they were looking, they were seeking this, they were requiring, they were requesting it. They wanted to be able to prove themselves. They were like, no, we have to be able to find this because even though they could not, they still wanted to return, which is an awesome thing. That is, I mean, that's a heart of worship. There were others that knew it. There were others that were part of it and knew it. Or maybe they weren't sure they used that excuse like we talked about a, a while back or maybe last week. But they didn't want to return. They got too comfortable. This is a group of people that wanted to come back. But they couldn't prove and they wanted to be able to serve. But they weren't going to be able to serve in the capacity as priests that they were able. So this concerned them, but yet it didn't stop them. And so it says in verse 62, they sought the registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but they were not found there. And so they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. So they looked, they searched, and they couldn't find them. But it doesn't mean that they were completely out as far as that. They were just considered unclean. They were not able to do the duties as a priest, but then it stopped them from coming. But let's look at verse 63 here. It says, the governor, which is many believe it was Zerubbabel here, told them that they were not to partake of the most holy food until there should be a priest to consult the Urim and the Thummim. 
Now, I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right, but that's what it pretty much is. Okay? So let's look real quick here. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 8. A couple books before. Leviticus chapter 8. Let's see where this is coming from. We're going to go to Leviticus chapter 8. And we're actually going to read verse 5 through 9 on this. And it says, And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. And he placed the breastpiece on him. And in the breastpiece, he put the Urim and the Tummim, and he set the turban on his head. And on the turban in front, he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. So we see here, we can go back to Ezra. We see here, this is God instituting that Umin and Tummim. Tummim. Do you know how to say that properly? Thummin. Thummin. Okay. The Thummin. And we see God putting this into place. So I'm going to read a footnote that I, re- that, I, that I was reading here. And it says that little is known about this Umin and Thummin. But many believe it was probably precious stones used to give guidance to his people, to God's people. It was kept in a pouch attached to the breastplate, which we just read. And it would be shaken and the answer would fall out of that. So definitely what it was looked at is they were waiting for the priest to come back so this could be done. Okay, And some believe one meant no and the other yes, or on each side one could say yes and the other no. If both came up yes or no, yes and no, then yes or no, then that's the answer. If there was, if both came up as no and yes, then there was no response. So let me, the footnote kind of confused a little bit, but basically what it was, it was a little pouch attached to the breastplate. And what's, what's believed to known to be done on this was that it could have been either flat stones or it could have been a certain way. And so what happens is, is if the, when they came to the priest, they wanted to seek the Lord. So in order for them to know what the will of God is, the priest would shake it and whichever one would come out. If it was the Urim, the Urim, then that could have possibly been a yes or the thumb and it could have been a no. One of those could have represented either. So whichever one fell out, they looked at it. Oh, that's God's answer. Some believe that they were two flat stones and that they may have wrote yes and no on both sides of those. So when they shook it out, when they went to seek the priest, they would, he would shake it and whatever would fall out and whatever it would land on, it would be the answer. So let's just say they both landed on the side of yes, yes, then that was the answer. If they both landed outside on no, no, then that was the answer. But if one landed and one said no and the other said yes, then that means there was no response. So this is kind of how they had to do things back then. And really what it was, it was like an example of casting lots. Like we read many times in the Bible, this was definitely a practice that was known. And the casting lots was really to seek God's will. We see that in the book of Acts when they cast lots. And this was the last time they cast lots, but they cast lots to find out what was the will of God, who they were going to choose to be that apostle that would fill in the place of Judas. But we know that that was the last time this ever had to be done because it was basically, you know, they were now going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they could seek the Lord personally and they could come to God and the Holy Spirit would reveal what his answer was. And we'll find out a little bit more about that right now. But this is how God had instituted. 
is how it was instituted. This is how it was set up. They were seeking the will of God. So when he tells them here, the governor told them that they were not to partake of the most holy food until there should be a priest to consult the Urim and the Thummim. So they were waiting to see, okay, Lord, what is your will for these men? What is your will for these people? And this is what they were going to do. They were going to follow this guideline to find out whether it was so. So in that time, they're basically saying, look, you can come, but you're not going to be able to perform any duties of a priest. You're going to have to wait till this is done. So don't even touch the sacred food because the sacred food was what only the priest could eat. And again, remember, God has his reason and his purpose for everything. You know, this is just the way it had to be. And this is the way that God instituted it. So this is an amazing thing. We look at that. And then we look at verse 64. It says the whole assembly together was 42,360 besides their male and female servants of whom there were 7,337 and they had 200 male and female singers. Their horses were 736. Their mules were 245. Their camels were 435 and their donkeys were 6,720. The Lord gave them provision. God gave them provision. And so even though these people didn't know their full genealogy, but with that came all the stuff that they had and all the stuff they were able to bring back to the rebuilding of the temple. This is an awesome place. But this morning as we are looking at this, we're talking about feeling excluded. We're talking about how many times it's like, well, Lord, you know, Sometimes I feel excluded or whatever it is. And, you know, even before we came to Christ, we were excluded. So let's go to Galatians chapter 3 because this is our hope today. And this is our prayer today for many of those that many that don't know the Lord or many that just struggling in this area of maybe feeling like this even as a believer. But let's look at Galatians chapter 23. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 to 28. There's no chapter 23, by the way. So let if you can read that scripture. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. 23 to 28. Now before it came, before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, perpetually imprisoned, in preparation for the faith that was destined to be revealed, with the result that the law has become our tutor and our disciplinarian to guide us to Christ, so that we may be justified, that is, declared free from the guilt of sin and its penalty, and placed in right standing with God by faith. But now faith that now that faith has come, we are no longer under the control or authority of the tutor or disciplinarian. For you who are born again have been born, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are all children of God, set apart for his purpose, with the full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union with the Christ, the anointed. Have clothed yourselves with Christ, that is, you have taken on, taken on his characteristics and values. There is now no distinction in regard to salvation, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you who believe are all one in Christ Jesus. No one can claim a spiritual superiority. Verse 29. 29. And if you belong to Christ, if you are in him, then you are Abraham's descendants. And spiritual heirs according to God's promise. Amen. Praise the Lord. So see, we were once excluded as well. But in Christ, 
There is now no distinction. There is no exclusion. There is no separation because the Bible says it right here in verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Amen. And I encourage you to keep reading on that in chapter 4. But this shows right here that we no longer have to be excluded because in Christ, we have now become righteous. We have become holy. We have become saved and sanctified in him because we have put our faith in him and we believe in who he is. Amen. Amen. That is an amazing thing. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read verse 11 through 22 here. And it says here, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit amen so we are no longer excluded in Christ we are all one people all in Christ Jesus there is no distinction anymore and we don't have to worry about what was my background where did I come from where did I send no you are now in the lineage of Jesus Christ. When you put your faith and choose to repent and you choose to believe in all that he has done for me and you, you don't have to worry about that background. You don't have to worry about all those things that that you came from and all what your family history is, whatever it was, great or not, you can have peace today knowing that you belong to Christ Jesus when you put your faith in him, therefore becoming a child of God. Being a child of God. Being a child of God. That is an amazing thing today. That is an amazing thing today to be a child of God. Now I'm going to look at James chapter 1 real quick. We're going to close up over here on these two last chapters. James chapter 1 verse 5 through 8. We don't have to do that anymore as far as the um, worried about asking about uh, what to ask God. It says here in verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So thank you, Jesus, for that. We don't have to no longer shake anything out or cast lots. We know we can come to the Lord because of James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. But let us end here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10 says this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The glory to God. Because now we are all this in Christ Jesus, and we are no longer separated from God. It is an amazing thing. If you've ever felt excluded, you've ever felt outside of where you're at, you may even feel excluded today because of all that is going on. But just know, when your faith is in Christ Jesus, you are always included in Christ Jesus. Because the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Know that he is your peace today. Let this be our prayer today, that we will pray for those that feel excluded, those that feel separated, those that feel like I'm the only one, but you're not the only one. You're not the only one. God knows where you're at. And in Christ Jesus, you have all things and you can have trust in him, knowing and believing in who he is. So continue to keep your eyes on the Lord. Continue to pray for those that are excluded right now. But one day they'll be included in Christ when they choose to repent and put their faith in him. That's our prayer. That's our cry. Because it's not about the building being rebuilt. No, it's about God's holy temple being built in me and you. Us being built together as a church. Us coming back to a heart of worship. Us coming back to a place where it's all about the Lord and him alone. Us coming to a place of recognizing that we are the church in this world. And that we have a responsibility to continue to be that church. To be his church in this world. Everywhere we're at. In our jobs, in our schools, in our homes. Every area in the marketplace. When we put gas, wherever we're at and recognizing and knowing you are the church. We are the church together collectively. And our prayer is for those that they will also become a part of the body of Christ as the Lord sees fit. Amen. Letty, will you close us in prayer and lift those petitions up, please. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, thanking you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you bring to light, Father, Lord, what your word is, Father, and what you're speaking. Father, thank you, Lord, for reminding us that we're not excluded, Lord. For once we were, Father, alienated from you, Father, Lord, but not anymore, Father, because we believe in you and we put our trust in you, Lord. Lord Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are in Christ Jesus this day. Thank you that we can raise our hands, Father, lift our hands, Father, up to you, Lord, and thank you that we are in you. Father, thank you that you take care of us and you provide, Father. Lord, we pray, Father, for anyone this day, Father, who who feels far away, who feels excluded, Lord, who feels like they don't fit in, Lord. Father, remind them, Lord, that they do. Father, for those that are in you that are in this place, Father, we pray for strength, Lord, that can only come from you, Lord. Father, to be encouraged by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, we lift them up in prayer, Lord, and we thank you for them. And Father, for those, Lord Jesus, who really are excluded and alienated at the moment, Lord, because they don't know you yet, Father, we pray for your good news to reach their hearts and their ears, Father, and Lord, that they would come to know you, Lord, that they will, Father, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, to be your sons and daughters, Lord. Father, for Lord, you died, Father, for the world, Lord, and Father, we, we pray, Lord, in faith that they come to know you, Lord. 
as you still may be found. Father, Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, for salvation for them. We pray for strength. Father, we pray for unity. Lord, and we pray, Lord, that they would genuinely feel your love. And not just hope, Lord, but that they will, Father, Lord, come to know you and feel your love and know you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, that you're not far off, Lord, from our prayers or from us, Lord. In these times, Father, Lord, when we call out and cry out, Father, Lord, in prayer and supplication, Lord. This is a call, Father, for your people, Lord. We pray for them, Lord. We pray for those, Lord Jesus, who are in Christ, who need to be reminded this day. Many of us need to be reminded, Father, Lord, of your goodness, of your mercy, Father, of what you've done. But, Father, this also brings us to a place, Father, to draw nearer to you, Lord, to desire, Father, as you're calling us back, Lord, to desire to know you, to desire to want to be in your presence, Father, as you're building us up. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you for salvation. And the salvation, Father, Lord, of those, Lord Jesus, who are going to come to know you this day, Lord. Father, we rejoice with them, Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for allowing us to pray and allow us to be in your presence, Lord. Lord, you give us peace and you comfort us, Father, Lord, in all these things, Lord. We love, we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.